So, Berto, have you seen the new movie called Eighth Grade? I have, yes. What do you say we talk about it in our normal rambling fashion? It rambled me to the core, so I'd love it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist, professor, and a former eighth grader. <laughs> My name is Humberto Castaneda, also a former eighth grader, and I'm a mumble rapper. Oh, so Rotten Tomatoes, guess what the rating is for eighth grade, the movie? Oh, uh, 95%. 98. Whoa. Yeah, pretty high. Yeah. Uh, great direction and writing. Uh, Bo Burnham wrote and directed it. Do you know Bo Burnham? No, I know Leah Dunham. Bo Burnham, it's his first movie. He's an American stand-up comic and YouTuber. Oh, that's where I know the name. Yes, I do know Bo Burnham. I've seen him on YouTube, but I didn't connect the dots, unfortunately. Yeah, he, he's... I imagine if you're into stand-up com- comedy that I, you would recognize doesn't him. Doesn't he have a Netflix uh, thing, too? Um, he might. Okay. I don't know. At the very least, I've seen... Uh, YouTube videos of him, but I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that, yeah, that's interesting. I, I certainly did not know he was the director. Right. Like when I found that out, yeah. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. Cause he, he, I mean, he's not like a super aggressive, masculine stand up comic, Mm-mm. but he's not particularly sensitive right. as a stand up. That's, that's comic. what I'm saying. Like that, that surprises me that he's the. <laughs> right. Like I, it, yeah. I would have characterized him as. I don't know, kind of in the realm of of Conan O'Brien, like a young, thoughtful Conan O'Brien or something. Sure. And at the very least, it's a guy, yeah, who who wrote and directed this movie that is getting rave reviews. And uh, so this movie can't really be spoiled, so I wouldn't worry too much about us talking about the plot points. There's not really a... Well, what if she does graduate. Oh, shoot. I, yeah. Ah. She does graduate from the eighth grade. <laughs> but So I wouldn't worry too much about that. But I, So I'll tell you that... So this movie, Eighth Grade, is about an eighth grade girl. And she has different experiences going through the eighth grade. It's uh, extremely accurate, people are saying. Uh, women are saying it's very accurate to their experience. And it also, a lot of parents are calling it fairly accurate too, given their experiences with their own eighth grade girls, because uh, they're always on their phone and right. you know this kind of thing. Uh, but it's just interesting that basically a dude bro comic writes and directs yeah. perhaps the most accurate movie about an eighth grade girl that's ever been made. I, especially, I, I certainly imagine that whoever wrote it was an older Per, like an older person who probably had kids, right? Like had kids that age, right? He something. doesn't even have kids, yeah. As far as I know, if he does, they're very young because he's pretty young. I, I mean, the flip side is you could say, well, it, then maybe it had to be a very, very young person to kind of be more in tune with that, right? With that world, right? But so I think he kind of qualifies as that. Like yeah, he's. I, I don't know how old he is. Maybe. I heard though that even though he is, he's in his early thirties or something, that he basically went on YouTube and watched countless hours of teenagers uploads, you know, just to kind of get the sense of it. And then did like chatting with teenagers and things like that to kind of get the sense of how they talk, what they talk about, how they, when they do make videos, what are those videos like? Yeah. So that's great. But at the same time, the ability to capture the essence of someone in that world is 
difficult to do, and I think you know really commends commendable to him. Yeah. Uh, it's also interesting that he was you know he's a stand up comic, and he's just like, hmm, I think I'll write a screenplay. What should I write about? And so I, I he did a uh, interview with uh, what the fuck the podcast with Mark Marin WTF you know yeah do you know that podcast what the fuck yes yes WTF yes yeah yeah the biggest podcast that's ever been made the one that Barack Obama <laughs> was on I guess I've heard of it <laughs> um, Bo Burnham was on it recently talking about his experience and of his life and also writing the screenplay uh-huh. and. He had panic attacks on stage uh, a few years ago. Oh, and started to uh, become very depressed, and oh. had, and it was getting worse and worse. He doesn't know it, but or maybe he does, but he's not phrasing it this way. He not only has panic attacks, but he also has PTSD as a result. Because mm. now uh, every so he had a, he had a panic attack while he was on stage, and then the next time he was uh, he had another panic attack and then the next time he was on his way to a gig and he had a panic attack Ooh, i mean th- this is what right. panic attack progression usually is but it's also related to trauma your your body essentially is associating a particular thing with terror got it and even though your brain is like everything's fine your body which really dictates your life much more than your brain does i see or your unconscious processes let's say yeah uh, is saying no 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 it, you know it's similar to if um you needed to uh, you know you're that guy in 127 hours and you <laughs> you need to cut off your arm in order to save yourself right intellectually after you know a couple of days you're you're probably pretty resolved that yeah. that's the case but to get up the nerve <laughs> to overcome your bodily urge to not cut off your arm and, right. the, and the pain would be really hard to do but anyway so he uh started having panic attacks and then he um stopped doing stand-up comedy and so he started to write a screenplay and he said that he wondered i can't remember exactly the way he said it but i think he was like how who can i write about that would be in a situation that essentially what he was saying was he felt like he was in middle school and he was scared of making right. a fool out of himself and he, it reminded him of that right i think i think that's the gist of it so it's like as it's interesting um uh, topic that kind of makes sense once you hear right. his background. Uh, what do you think of the acting in the movie? I mean, it was weird because I kind of felt that I, I was wondering, wait, did he write? It, it felt hard for him to write the script for some of it. Like, for example, the when she's recording her videos, because it felt so natural, like what a teenager probably would be, a nervous teenager would be like. Right. Right. So then I thought... I wonder what would be more effective to let her give her the topic and then let her just talk it out or, or write out the script. Exactly. (laughs) Right. So here, I don't know. And I'd be curious what the process was as well. So, so by the way, if you're a therapist, you, especially if you work with teenagers, watch this, you have to watch this movie. It's a must see. It's probably the most important movie you've you'll ever see. Really. I feel if you're a person, yeah, <laughs> yeah. true, yeah, no, but uh, you're right. Yeah, the other thing is is ex- is extremely entertaining. Very, very so. Like very. there are movies, uh, you know. I always make fun of Boyhood, all, although I liked it. 
um, doesn't really have, I can't really recommend it to people. Yeah, right. That, that one, um, I guess I actually know a couple, a couple of people that hated Boyhood that I would be leery to recommend this movie to, even though this one is shorter and way more entertaining, uh, for, in the traditional sense of, right. you know, yeah. I was highly entertained in Boyhood, but I, I agree with you that it's sort of a hard one to recommend in that sense. Whereas eighth yeah. grade is funny. Yeah. It, it's similar to Lady Bird in this way, yeah. in that it if you just described it to someone, they'd be like, huh? But when you yeah. watch it, it, it moves pretty quick. The, the scenes are interesting. And the music's great. <laughs> oh, man. The music was... The audio. I mean, awesome. what did you think of the music? It, it was just so well layered in because you have those moments like, you know, the first time she sees her, the guy she's into. Yeah. Dun, 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 you know, it's like, it, it's jarring in a great way because it really accentuates these moments. It also has this effect, at least I felt, that it drags you into her brain. Right. And it like puts you in her mindset and then it, and then you come back out. Yeah. Which of course movies do, but this one does it even more explicitly. Yeah, I th- I think that's an excellent way of putting it. I noticed that right away. I thought, man, whoever directed this or whoever was making the music choices is a genius. Yeah. <laughs> because there's so many different conventions to yeah. music that this the, the director or the music director broke away from yeah that the music is like you say it's quite noticeable and jarring yeah it dominates it 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 there, it's not just a background it's like just totally in your face often right the, the music is i i'm assuming where it was written specifically for the movie that's what i'm thinking yeah yet the music sounds like music that people would listen to right you know what yeah. i mean like the the songs are actually pretty good right you know, they're all instrumentals but they're like you know pretty cool jams you know yeah it sounds like the instrumentals of songs that would be being listened yeah by that same group of of kids right like mgmt yeah. or uh odessa which mgmt is a recent band from 12 years ago you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly uh so although i still feel like mgmt is still cutting still relevant cutting edge yeah yeah in some ways you know especially some of their otter songs but but yeah, so I, I thought the music was extremely effective, and I uh, every time it happened, it is it happens like three or four times in very noticeable ways, and it was almost to me like, it, it, you know, I could see Bo Burnham ten movies in, that's what he's known for, you know, like yeah. Spike Lee is known for the dolly shot, yeah, yeah. Uh, Scorsese is known for those uh, those uh, push-ins that he does. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, what's his face? Um, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson is known for his center framing, center and- <laughs> framing, his symmetrical yeah. flat shot. Uh, and, and Bo Burnham will be known for these, like, for those real stark, right. Emotional in your head, musical beats. Do you know what it reminded me? But, but it's a totally different take on it. So in, um, uh, um, the d- drug movie and the mother and uh, what's what's uh, Aronofsky? Aronofsky. Yeah. Okay. So in the movie, uh, <laughs> drug movie, the drug movie. What's the name of that one? Uh, Requiem, Requiem for, for a, a dream. dream. Yeah. So one of my favorite movies. So you know how they do the clearly qu- since you remember that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my brain's going, but do you know how they do the quick cuts? Obviously, yeah. you know, like yeah, they yeah. do, and then they. Yeah. Uh, so 
that is that is a technique, right? Where it's like, I'm going to show you several quick things to give you the sense of what's happening, right? right? So in this case, what he was doing in a few times is um, he would play music and then there would be a scene happening. And sometimes there would even be dialogue that you can't hear, but you get the sense of what's happening. And, and so it's like the music is providing you the feeling and then the, the visuals are giving you like the extra information. And, and it condenses, like I think if he had the same scene and you just heard the audio, then it, the onus would be on the dialogue to really give you all the nuance and everything. Well, right. So the scene where uh, it, I think it first happens is when she goes to the pool party and she is walking down this, the deck yeah. stairs to the pool. Yeah. And you just get this and there's like pull away uh, cuts to like people having fun right. in slow motion. And she, I think it's slow motion and she's walking slow motion. And it, and if you, so if you didn't do it slow motion and you just shot it normally, it would be an awkward scene that we could all kind of yeah. relate to because it's, because she looks frumpy in her, yeah. in her bathing suit. And they make a point. There's not every kid, but there's a majority. This is one of the cool girls party. Right. So a lot of the kids there are the cool girls friends. Right. And they're all cool. They're right. in their bikinis and they're, you know, they're just neat. Right. And she's like, oh, I've just arrived to this place. I don't belong. And you're right that you get this sense, the inner inner conversation in her head. Right. But with that song, it, it's, it really accentuates right. and... You can really empathize, and, and this and, is, and you feel. And I hear this from people watching it. I didn't really feel this way as much as other people were. Just the deep sense of being transported back to how horrible eighth grade was. Mm. Did that happen to you? No, but I certainly related to what she must have been going. Through. Yeah, so I think I'm similar to you. I mean, one eighth grade wasn't that bad for me, right. and and two. Um, I I don't know. I guess I've I've been exposed an, a lot of times to material. I've already gone through those those steps because <laughs> I I've counseled countless eighth graders. The, the the closest thing it reminded me of actually was in eleventh grade because so in eleventh grade I dated a twelfth grader who was about to graduate. Okay, and she was one of the cool kids, and she had all her cool twelfth grader friends. And this in uh, Tacoma. Yeah. And so I got to go one day. She's like, hey, you should come out to this place. We're going to be playing volleyball and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, awesome. So I show up and I totally felt similar. I mean, like I could relate because I show up and I'm like this like 11th grader and I'm showing up and all these people kind of know each other and they are the cool kids. So they're wearing their little shades and they're playing volleyball. And I, I definitely felt like, oh, boy, I'm I'm in. I'm out of my element here, right? Right, right? And I had to like pretend to be, you know, fine with it and stuff. But inside, I'm like kind of freaking out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bo Burnham's ability to write, direct, uh, and shoot and edit and, and his team of people to create what I believe to be perhaps an, just an iconic scene in American cinema, yeah. which is that, that, opening scene as she walks to the pool party it, it, it's so universal I, I don't think anyone 
you know, everyone's had an experience like that. Right. I mean, I'm still having experiences like that right. as a 47 year old man. You well, know? and it's, it's set up so well, right? Because she doesn't want to go to the party. Right. And then, you but know, she kind of does. Well, no, her dream would be to go and, and have it be a successful experience, but right. she kind of suspects she feels it's going to be a horrible experience. Right. And then her dad pushes her into it. And then she shows up and you can, it feels almost like she's being sent off to war. You know, when she leaves the car, she's like, her head is down and she walks up to the house and she comes in and the mom greets her. By the way, there was this little subtext of where's like the, the dad? Mom, the mom was into the dad, right? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so then, then she comes in. I, by the way, they, they did a good job of, it was all from the perspective of the eighth graders because there was this world of adults that was hinted at, right. but was not explicitly bubbling through. Right. And then she comes in, and then she brought a panic attack in the bathroom. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, we don't know exactly how badly it was, but it was filmed in a way to convey intense anxiety right. in the bathroom. And so just, intense social anxiety. Yeah. And then she just kind of resigns herself to walk out, and she's just kind of hands in front, you know, like protecting herself. And she walks up. She looks through the little door. She even fails because she opens the door and it doesn't open all the way. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's the genius of this writing. And, and there were several moments in the movie like this that there's been other people have made scenes like this. Yeah. Not as masterful even to start out. But, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's not an uncommon scene to have a kid fish out of water right. scared of the popular kids. The, the nerd kid is hanging out with the popular right. kids. Well, the genius of Bo Burnham and of this scene is that it would have been so easy to have the cool kids ridicule her or look at her right. or, you know, like the cool girls. I was just waiting for that cliche they to happen. start whispering, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they, the cool girls look at her. And they smile. <laughs> and they oh, look at her. <laughs> look at her terrible, <laughs> you know, outfit or whatever. And, like, that never happens. Because they're not even thinking about her. They're not... Well, one, they're not thinking about her. <laughs> and two, it's just not realistic. They're just kids having fun at a party. Right. They're in their own heads with their own problems, with their own things. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the other trope that I was worried about was... Um, that didn't happen as uh, as well was that... Um, well, just... There was just... The other sort of turn in that scene that I thought was felt realistic was she gets into the pool and she just sort of becomes invisible, right? right. She's just like, okay, I'm going to sit here in the pool and I'm just going to, I hope no one sees me. And then this nerdy guy yeah. uh, just starts to kind of nerd talk to which, her. Which I think that's when the music breaks, right? Oh, really? Like the music has been going and all of a sudden he's like, hey, I just swam all the way across the pool. <laughs> yeah, I can hold my breath real, real yeah, long, yeah. <laughs> you know? And... um and and then, you know, he just sort of strikes up a conversation with her and she's like, oh, really? Okay. And then and then he kind of breaks off. And then that's that. Like, yes. It's just like, right. a, like a normal, actual situation. It didn't take over the movie. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just, I just thought that was great. I want to get back to what you're talking about, the writing and directing and acting as she did. So if you haven't seen the movie, which you need to see the movie... It, throughout the movie are sprinkled in these YouTube videos that she makes mm -hmm. where uh, it's, it's like in, she makes instructional videos where, she, you know, she presses record on her recorder and she says, okay, people, 
you know, how to, I'm going to tell you today about how to be you. Confident. Yeah. Right. How to yeah. be confident. Well, you just have to do this and do this. And the, the conceit is that when she's in front of the camera on YouTube, she seems confident. She, she seems to know to have all the answers. Right. But in her real life, she, her life is in shambles. Right. I mean, she doesn't know, she doesn't know how to do anything. Yeah, like, from her perspective, at least. Yeah. 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 And, and so, uh, she, you know, she'll go to school and sh- she won't talk to anyone. And then she'll, you know, come home and make a video that makes it seem like she knows what she's doing right. and she has lots of friends and she's just giving advice to people. So it's sort of like her, her super ego right. or her therapist voice or something. But the, the, the videos are, and I think the movie starts with one of these videos. Yeah. Are, are one, no one's watching them on the internet. Like some of them have no views. Yeah, they scroll through and it's like no views. Like yeah. I think the, 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 mo- the most viewed video had seven views yeah, or something. Yeah. And, and that's a real world. Like, like as a YouTuber myself, right. um, there were, t- you know, when I first started out, yeah, no one, right. no one viewed. I would spend. It's a black hole. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would spend. You know, like all week. You know, putting and I. You know, you'd be there. Lita would be yeah. there. The camera people. We would make something. Put it on YouTube. No one watch it. Crickets. <laughs> yeah, because you know, unless you have an audience that's that knows about you, or right. the analytics are such that the video will pop up in people's feeds. You know, right. it just won't happen. But anyway, so they seem pretty realistic. There was a little bit of. Um, a little bit of I could tell she was kind of following a script at times. Like it didn't. There were times when I was like, "This doesn't seem exactly realistic." Do you know what I mean? Wait, like, during the videos, yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it was definitely as realistic as you're going to get. In yeah, because I actually got so I got a little bit of a different sense, which was that when you are actually trying to ad lib something, because she clearly didn't write it out. That was the thing, right? She she wasn't reading off of her notes. It, her character. Her character. Right. Her character was ad-libbing. Ad-libbing. Yeah. And, and when you really try to ad-lib, especially when you're younger, especially if you're shy, you do get a lot of those. Um, so, I mean, so the thing is that what you so, would do... Well, well, she did have those. <laughs> right. Like, like in one of them, there were just a ton of likes. Yeah, well... She said, so like, you know, like, like... You that's know, my like, point, but that that sounded so natural to me. It did. And so I was wondering... Did he write it that way, so, or was she yeah. actually improvising? Right. So going yeah. back to that whole thing, I I wonder what it was, but yeah. I suspect that it was a combination of a few things. One that he did write it out, mm-hmm. and two that they they probably had a conversation with her, you know, where she would say, "I don't know if someone might," because she's actually in the eighth grade. Right. By the she's way. that age, <laughs> and, and which is another great thing about this movie is like they're all. Because, you know, sometimes you see these teenage dramas and you can tell they're all 25. They're 25. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the other nice thing, well, anyway, so I, I, think, I think there was probably a conversation and there was probably like a number of takes. Mm-hmm. And, but I could sort of tell that she, she had memorized at least the, the main beats. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Well, and I imagine she would maybe do it that way too. She would write down like, okay, I want to say this. And I probably want to say this, but she didn't write a whole script. You mean the character? The character, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's take a break. and we get back, let's continue talking about the movie. What do you say, bro? Let's do it. All right, we're back from the break. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast, do so now. Go to patreon.com, become a patron of the podcast. 
Also, email me at contact at psychologyinseattle.com if you have any questions or if you're having trouble with the premium feed. Sometimes there's problems. Also, like us on Facebook and join our Facebook fan group. And tweet Birdo at PsychoBirdo. And the O is a zero. Psych Psych zero. Psych zero Birdo. Birdo. At. At. There's no at. At. At, well, it's at Psych Zero yeah, Berto. At Psycho Berto. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I thought it was excellent acting. Elsie Fisher, uh, she, the only other thing that I know her from is she was the voice of Agnes in the Despicable Me films. Oh, I didn't know that. Which kind of bugs me out because was Agnes the oldest one? Oh, I had no idea. Oh. I've not seen those movies. Oh, I think Agnes is the oldest one. So she was, she is an actress. Yeah, okay. She, she's, done, she's done some acting and also oh. vo- voice acting. Um. Josh Hamilton, do you, do you do you did you recognize the dad? Yeah, but I didn't know from where. I was like, okay, I know this guy. Yeah, he's been, he's been a bit part in a lot of movies that yeah. I've seen, uh, and he's he's my age, which is interesting. So it's like I've like I feel I felt like I've seen this guy so many times. Yeah, but I can't place my finger on it. So he was in Alive, nineteen ninety three. Okay, so he's one of those guys. Okay. He was a, yes, I actually remember the face now. Yeah. Yeah. Kicking and Screaming, 95. And he was super young. Oh, I didn't see Kicking and Screaming, but a lot. Uh, he was a bit part in The Born Identity. Okay. I he, he was a have... bit part in J. Edgar in 2011. I didn't see that. And he was a bit part in Manchester by the Sea. Oh, okay. Okay, so so I didn't see Manchester by the Sea. So I clearly remember him from Alive. Okay. And he was one of the main guys. I think so. Yeah, he was one of the soccer players, right? He, yeah. There were... Uh, so Ethan Hawke was one of those guys. Yeah, too. so that's why I remember his face so well, because I loved that movie. I probably saw it like three times back then. Yeah. So um, I get him mixed up with this other guy who was in the movie Barcelona, but anyway. Um, yeah, I thought that they were both really great. Um, I thought the dad's character was hilarious. Oh, um, my gosh. That, yeah. that scene, so another iconic scene. The, the dad, so the mom left the family, and it's just the dad and the kid. Did, did she leave? Yeah, she divorced and left. How do you know that? They said that. Well, because he said, he said when your mom left, but right. I didn't know if that meant left or left. You mean died? Yeah. I doubt that's what it meant. Okay. Uh, why would a father say, you know, when well, your mom Well, because you're trying to soften it, you know, like yeah. when your mom left. Well, uh, yeah. I, I don't remember, us, but I, left from my memory... She she had left, yeah. which I just want to say is kind of a trope in movies where moms are always the one who are gone, you know, like Bambi and other kinds of movies. Yeah, the mother's very close when in, to... When in reality, it although it's men, mothers do leave and do abandon their kids, it's just um, it's just interesting that it's... Uh, there doesn't seem it doesn't seem to be represented in in art. Mm. But anyway. Well, but but by the way, it was when she was a teeny baby. Cause, cause he said, yeah, because he said, or little, because he said, you know, but, and I was worried how you were going to start, like, you know. Oh, yeah. And then, but then he said things like, you you actually made your first friend, and you made, which all happens little, like at, right. at two or something, three. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that was a real sweet scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that iconic scene between the dad and the kid at, they're just having a regular dinner. Yeah. And she's on her phone, and she has her headphones in the whole time. Yeah. And he's just trying to be cool. And you can tell he's kind of frustrated, but he's not letting it get to him. You know, he you know he is the sort of dad who's just like, Look, I'm not gonna be a 
I'm not going to be a hard ass with my daughter if mm-hmm. she's on her phone. If she wants to be on her phone, she wants to be on her phone. But I also feel like I want to interact with her, and I feel like right. it's wrong that we just sit here. Well, and they had made a deal. It was a Friday, so she was allowed to do anything she wanted or something. Like right. That. She yeah. could she could be on her phone yeah. the whole time. I mean, I, it was just there, – there were so many it, – it's so realistic but also just really funny to watch. Because that was actually bugging me at first during that scene. I'm like – why is he letting her be so rude to him right now? And then she's she's like, well, it's a Friday. And then I also realized, man, it must be so hard because he's by himself with her. Well, not only that, but uh, that's an interesting impulse that you had. It's just like, you know, why isn't he coming down? Regulating. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly that would be a, a viable decision yeah. that a parent could make. And, and I actually recommend parents um, do stuff like that. But... If you've been around kids that are like this, who are like super into their mm-hmm. phones, it 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 just becomes this. Um, you just get beaten down, you know. You're just like because if you said it that you're, I mean, unless you're willing to like get into a real power struggle where you actually take the phone away, yeah, and you deal with all those consequences, uh, which a lot of parents aren't going to do. Then you just kind of resign yourself like, well, I guess my kid's always going to be head down into their phone all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as long as they're passing their classes and going to school and doing their chores, I guess, uh, okay, you know. And they, you know, like, um, anyway, so I, I just got the sense like he had long ago just said, well, uh, you know, if that's what she wants right. to do, then I guess that's what she's going to be doing. Were you allowed to read or play Game Boy at the dinner table? Oh, God, no. Are you no. kidding me? Right. God, no. My In my family, the dinner uh, protocol was extremely... Uh, Specific. Yeah. <laughs> we, we You had to sit up straight. Uh, you couldn't... You, I mean, all the regular rules applied. Like you couldn't swear or say yeah, the word. Yeah. You couldn't say the word fart, and you could. <laughs> That's so specific. <laughs> and you couldn't. Uh, you couldn't put your elbow on the table, right? And you had to say excuse me and thank you yeah, and yeah. Uh, please pass the. And you you didn't just get up from the table. No, no. You know? I was the same in Colombia. I had. Uh, not the same protocols in both grandma's houses, but certainly protocols. And you experienced a little bit like when you were at lunch at my grandma's. It's a sit-down lunch, you know. Yeah. People, now, the one weird thing is because of the culture, the men are always sitting down. And then the women are usually doing all the fetching and coming and going. Right. And in fact, at my, at my grandma, the one you met, that house, it's almost the extreme because – in many cases, like some of the women won't even eat until everyone else is done. Oh yeah, my family too. Crazy. Yeah, my mom was that way. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, on a regular night, she would have prepared the food well enough in advance where mm-hmm. she could sit down as well. I see. But she definitely sat down right later, and definitely none of us. I mean, she would have my sister make the table sometimes, but. Um, but yeah, it was all my mom's job, and and if, and if there was anything that needed to be done, she would get up and do yeah. it. You know what I mean? Whereas at my at my dad's mom's house, which is where I actually grew up, uh, it was a mix because my dad definitely he was like, no, no, you're doing the dishes. Like I would have to do the dishes, things like that. And uh, they cooked uh, they cooked all day, right? So there was food ready, and so everyone sat down. It was my grandma, her her sister, my grandpa, and my dad. Every now and then we'd have a dinner guest or something. And there was certainly no fooling around. You know, you sit down, you eat your food, 
I had to eat all of my food. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too yeah. The, the nice thing about my family was we, there were so many kids and I had two older siblings who were very responsible that I never had to do any chores because they were always mm. like they, they hand washed the dishes. I see. I think every night. Oh man. And I literally <laughs> never, ever washed a dish as a kid. Like, so, so that's great. I wonder, is it hard for you to do dishes now? So the very short answer I'll say to that is, uh, so right out of, out of high school, I moved out to go to college and then at, at UW. And I went through a number of years trying to adjust one to the notion of chores and two to how to do them. I see. Um, like I, 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 I went to, I went to the laundry, you know, room and I was like just staring at it and, and someone had to, had to tell me how to do it because if you, especially the old one, well, even the new ones, if you look at those things, like there's a lot of lingo on there, yeah, yeah. you know, like uh, mixed and like, like they're yeah, yeah, tumble totally. dry and yeah. like, you know, spin cycles. Like it was very confusing, but, but over time. Uh, I've never been one to let other people do chores. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, you know, within, I don't know, 10 years, like I was... So living on your own, obviously, was a forcing function. Well, I lived with other people. Uh, you mean living away from my parents? Oh, I actually meant living on your own. So never mind. You, you Well, you I did, did yeah. So eventually I lived by myself. Uh, but by necessity... Uh, I became now, uh, by the time I was 30, I was extremely fastidious because, and, and very good with chores I see. and, and loved my vacuum cleaner and, I see. you know, and, and dusted uh -huh. and because one, I just slowly kind of woke up to it, but two, I have been seeing clients in my house mm. for a long time and there's nothing more uh, motivating to be clean than, right. than especially in early career when I was sort of insecure about my, my place in the profession, I really wanted my house to be clean right. and my furniture was very bad because I couldn't afford good furniture, <laughs> you know, it was secondhand store chairs and couches. So you're trying to make it look as nice as possible otherwise. Right. And, yeah. and you know, I cleaned the bathroom and, you know, and now, now I'm like a, you know, I clean the toilet like, frequently i'm just like oh how's how's the toilet doing Ooh, little little dusty let's yeah, wipe yeah. it down anyway i don't know how we got on that topic but um so uh let's just kind of go through some stuff yeah so i thought josh hamilton was great but elsie fisher uh just really great i mean really? that that is a hard i i give it sort of because you always have to consider the director and the writer along with elsie fisher so the Bur the bo burnham elsie fisher team created uh, just a magical performance for Elsie Fisher. I bet you she will be an Oscar contender, actually, for Probably. Best Actress, now that I think about it. Um, you know, she has to carry the entire movie. No, and you get so much, because there's so many times where it's just the way she is looking, the way her face is, and then you get so much. Obviously, when she's speaking, she she's doing a great job, but there's a lot of nonverbal yeah. acting that she did. Yeah, subtle, too. Like yeah. when she confronts the popular girls at the end of the oh, movie. Yeah. And, and she, I, again, another just genius scene that uh, could have been done in a really cheesy way. Right. But was done in this um, realistic way, you know, like yeah. uh, she's telling off the popular girls. She couldn't look her in the eye. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
and the the popular girls they're just looking at her like what we actually um you don't you see when she first uh, squares off but the rest of the time you don't see them at all yeah you just see her and you don't even see their reaction after no you see you see their reaction midway through at the very least there there's Okay, they might show their faces once. Yeah, and the the popular girls are, they're just, because they're on their phones, as they always are, and the popular girls, or maybe I'm thinking of the others anyway. Yeah, I don't, I actually, because I, I, I felt that they just focus on her, she says her whole thing, and then you see them from the side as she's walking away. And they're just kind of looking at her. And they're just like, what? Right. Yeah. Yeah, like in another movie. There, uh, I, you're, sorry, there was a scene earlier in the movie right. when she comes out and she's trying to be friendly. Maybe I'm mixing. And they're both that. on their phones and they're yeah. not even looking at her and they're like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah. And then the the black girl looks at her and like, uh Yeah. And then they 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 both walk away and like, oh. Right. Right. <laughs> so that was another great scene too because a uh, a more uh, sort of expeditious or pandering scene would the popular girls would be like whatever. whatever but it's instead the girls are you could tell they just want it to end yeah they just <laughs> want it to end they're just yeah. like what's happening right now and they're being passive aggressive by completely ignoring her yeah but they are not they're not uh, upfront enough to say like hey we don't want to talk to you right you they're know? not being overtly rejecting right and that's what would really happen in right. real life, you know? Right. Uh, anyway, so um, just going over my notes here. Uh, throughout the movie, uh, I, all I wanted to do was reach into the screen, grab her and shake her and just say, get out of your fucking head. You know, like, <laughs> life is good. And just stop thinking so goddamn much. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. Like, this, that's because she's so socially anxious. Right that she is never just herself, you know, like she can't ever, even when she's around her dad, she has social anxiety around her dad. I mean, that's one thing that I think they depicted really well in this movie that I've seen firsthand is that when you suffer from social anxiety, it's not just with the popular kids at school. Right. You can have social anxiety in your own family, even if it's just you and your dad. Yeah. You're so in your head and you're so scared of making a fool out of yourself that right. even with your dad, who just three years earlier, you had no self-conscious around uh, your dad when you were younger. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're in the eighth grade and like even the people who love you unconditionally, you are terrified of their disapproval socially. Right. So I actually, um, I don't know if it was full on social anxiety or whatever. But I can relate to it, this. It so, was. It okay, so, yeah. so, I mean, for me. Oh, for you. Yeah, for me. It probably was. But So, when I was a kid, uh, at, my, at my dad's mom's house, I was the most comfortable because that's where I spent all my time. And uh, I, I don't remember ever really feeling this way. But whenever I would go to my other grandma's house, the one you met, Liti. Yeah. And they'd have those big lunches. So, imagine like the lunch you're at, but like multiply the attendance by like 10. You know, just the house packed with lots of adults, mostly, right? And it was me and my two cousins. There were rarely other kids. So tons of adults. And they all know each other and they're all talking. And it's like, oh, this is Teresita's boy. Oh, hi, hi, hi. And and I would always feel so self-conscious. Like, gosh, are they just all judging me? Like, wow, this kid is like unkempt or what is he wearing? Or his hair's a mess or whatever, right? And... I, I would always feel like very at, 
on edge, like, you right. know, anxious at this. Or, you know, and, and, and that was a memory I, I definitely remember. Or um, I remember one time I went to a wedding and it was a very fancy wedding at a rich house or something. And I totally felt that way. I was like, oh my gosh, I just feel like I'm being judged everywhere, you know? <laughs> right. And I remember kind of feeling that way when I was this age with my own family. And, uh, but I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, when you're, when you're that age, it, it's the eighth grade, seventh, eighth, ninth grade are these really, uh, perfect confluence for certain problems. One, you have a very little sense of yourself as an adult, as a independent right. person. Even if you have a sense of yourself as a younger person, it, it's a completely different thing to now you know, there's a sort of binary. It's like there's kids and there's adults. Yeah. And that's why I call them, tw- you know, tweens. It's like, well, what am I? And and there's this super big desire to, like, be a legit older teen. Yeah. But you have no abilities yet. You have no, like, knowledge right. about how to interact. You have no mobility. Like, you don't have a license. You can't drive right. yourself. You can- right. Yeah. So you have all the insecurity and none of the skill. Yeah. And you also... uh are just completely up in your head and blow everything out of proportion the way a child would, but you have desires that of an adult because you right. want to be liked by people. Right. You want to have, you know, romantic sexual Yeah, you started to have sexual desires. Your body is a mess. Like it's going wacko. You're like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so other things in my notes here uh, that the uh, Bo Burnham as a, as a dude – chose to not really have any redeemable males in this movie aside from the dad of course huh that but there weren't any there were there weren't that many what do you mean uh, redeemable well there were basically uh there weren't that there weren't that many boys but sure. that there were three main boy characters there was the the cool kid sure. whom she had a crush on, crush on right there was the nerd kid who she went on a date with at the end of the movie, which right. was just hilarious. Yeah. That whole but they scene. they got along. <laughs> yeah. So, it was so, redeemable. Yeah, but he was a pretty minor character, you know. Sure, and, sure, sure. Yeah. And then uh, the older boy who right. tried to date rape her. In the no, film. see, he didn't try to date rape her. Well. He was clearly nerdy in his own way. And he was hoping that finally he could hook up because she was a younger girl so he could impress her. And he... He made a, the most awkward and uncomfortable of moves, and she was, like, not having it. And then he was like, okay, fine. And then he was rude to her and angry because he felt rejected. But as soon as she drew a boundary, he respected it. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you're saying that because I'm guessing a lot of people will relate to that. And I certainly can have sympathy for that point of view, but I do not agree. I mean, at the very least, what possible pieces of, um, how how do I say this? He's either someone who's done this and it's worked, in which case he's learned that it works, or he is just awkward and doesn't have success with the ladies, in which case he's trying to somehow have success with the ladies. I I think that's true, but... I'm here to tell you, I never did anything like this when I was his age. And it oh, would, and it neither never, did I. And that's, there's a reason for that. Because we would not, I mean, so 
He's a senior in high school. She's in eighth grade. So, so were that, they seniors? Yeah, they were old, at least at oh, least okay. juniors. They were, you know, oh, that's a, a big difference, actually. Well, I actually he was driving a car, so he does got to be you know up there. I kind of got the sense that they were like younger than that, but but but, that, right, but that that's not that big of a deal because yeah. you can certainly have an eighth grader dating a senior. It's not that big of a deal. It can be a big deal, but it's but it can work. Um, the the thing <sighs> is, is that right from the start, it's clear. She does not know what she's doing, and she is a young child. Like, right from the start, you know, he, he gets in the backseat of the car, and at no point does is he like, um, so are you cool with this? Or, you know, he's not trying to romance her. He's not trying to right. to get to know her. But she doesn't know how to do, right? Like, what? He doesn't know how to do that. Well, but he's <laughs> but there are ways of doing that in a clunky way. That's not the mode he was in. The mode sure. he was in was one. He wanted that, action. What? He wanted some action. Great. And right. there, and as a lot of boys and girls want action. Right. But there are ways of going about it, and you have to see this scene to understand I mean, what we're talking about. But yeah. essentially, what happens is uh, she gets in a situation where she's being driven home by this older boy. Well, and, and he manipulated it to be that way. Well, because kind of. Uh, remember the girl, he, he the, was open the older to it, girl, for sure. Well, no, but the older girl said, "Hey, we should take her home." Yeah, and he said, "No, that's ridiculous. You're right here. I'm going to drop you off here, and I'll take her home." Right. In his head, he was obviously thinking ahead. He's like, "All right, I think I could get a little something here because she seemed interested in me earlier because she talked to me." Like, I'm just, I'm just saying. Look, I think you're giving him the benefit of that, which is no, fine. no. It, it, it's actually the opposite. I'm just saying, like. And in your experience might have been different, but I'm saying from the from I, I'm rewinding my mind to like a, a sexually obsessed like eighth grader or well I wasn't that but let's say you know around that age some people become very sexually aware and obsessed right and actually not sorry he's a you're right he's in high school so he probably is sexually aware and he's clearly no matter how you cut it he is a bit manipulative. You know, because he's, he's, he, he told the girls, no, 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 it's okay. You, you get off here. I'll, I'll drive her. And then he parks the car. He's like, oh, no, don't worry. Don't get in the front seat. And then he comes in the back. All that stuff is definitely pushy and somewhat manipulative. And then when, and he's like, oh, let's play truth or dare. And then he's like trying to guide it. He's trying to get lucky. What, what happens though is he is trying to get lucky because he thinks, oh, <clears throat> I bet you I can with her. Because she seems like she wants to hang, she wants to be cool, all these things. He's not aware that she's in way the fuck over her head and that she's scared. Which I would contend a <coughs> regular boy would, one, recognize that, and two, not want to create that feeling in another human being. Maybe. I just don't know what a regular boy is, I guess, because... Well, think about what you did. I mean, what would you have done? So, but I mean, we played all sorts of like what, well, truth or dare games. Not in a or, situation like that. So, no. But, so let's say you're an older boy and you're driving this younger girl who you know is isn't uh, criminally younger than you, and and you're thinking, hmm, I wonder if I can get with this girl. What would you have done? Well, I, I guess. Um, Sadly, probably nothing, <laughs> but I would have maybe... Right. Well, one, nothing because you're uh, worried that things are going to go weird. Like this guy was not afraid of no. it going weird. Well, I, I would have been worried of rejection. Well, that's what I mean by weird. Like oh, you just, you're just, it's an unknown. He was totally unafraid of that. Like he, she clearly 
fr- this was a long scene. And so, so for those who haven't seen the movie, he gets in the backseat with this girl. She just wants to be taken home. And she's trying to be cool because she's trying to hang with the older kids. But I think he felt, well, okay, so and one so thing let me is, describe the yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then he decides to, uh, uh, he starts off by saying, it's, it's an extremely awkward, uncomfortable conversation that she is not freely uh, uh, participating in. And at some point, he, he says, let's play truth or dare. But by the way, really quick pause, the whole night... You could describe it as an awkward conversation that she's not free, that she's not easily participating in. Sure. Yeah. And the whole night prior to this moment, she's she is with two girls and two guys, sure. uh, and now it's just her and him. Okay. So, and her and him have not really interacted much prior to this moment. They, right. But they, as far as the two boys, she interacted with him the most. <laughs> she interacted with him for one sentence, and he was a dick to her. Right. So, so he gets in the back seat. So there's been no goodwill between the two of them. Anyway, he gets in the back seat. He says, let's play truth or dare. And she's like, I don't know, truth. Cause she's, cause she's thinking, I don't want to do a dare. And then he's, and then she, he goes, okay, well, how far have you been with a guy or something? And then there's this really funny response that she says, she's like, oh, I don't, oh, know, I don't know, third base third base or something. <laughs> and then she's, and he's, she's like, whoa. And he's, she's like, oh, well, you know, second, second base. base. <laughs> I don't know. And and then he's like, okay, well, what about for me? And, and she's like, oh. Well, he does. He says, like, it's okay if you haven't done anything. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. So then he, she says, uh, okay, fine, uh, truth or dare. And he's like, he, he's like, I choose dare. And then she's like, she says something like, I dare you. Oh, I dare you to eat this quarter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I dare you to put this quarter in your mouth. Right. Which I thought was hilarious, which is a good dare. And he's like, oh, come on. And then, right. and then. He does so he, he he doesn't do that. What he says is, um, "Well, how about you dare me to take my shirt off?" And and she's like, uh, "Okay." And he's like, "Well, I think I think she says, well, what do you want to do?" Or right. Like yeah. And he's like, "Well, how about you dare me to take yeah. my shirt off?" And she's like, um, "No, you don't have to do that." And and he's like, uh, "Well, come on." And she's like, "Well, if you want to, sure, take your shirt off." And so he takes his shirt off. Right now you're in a situation. Whereas a, as a woman, you're you're stuck in a car in at night right. with a boy who is bigger than you in his car. No one else is around. He's taken his shirt off. He doesn't have any intention of getting back into the front seat until this. Yeah. You know, is you know, there's. It's a scary situation for her. It is scary, but but she can't assume. She shouldn't assume. Like like the right thing to do there is what she did, which is to set a boundary and and if she is unlucky this is a psycho guy who's actually going to rape her but the stats don't 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 actually bear that that's the case but she was you know you can't deny she was that she was not traumatized by this event oh it might be traumatizing but you know he might have was traumatized but he might have been traumatized too right like (sighs) he was not traumatized oh he got rejected right in a pretty in a pretty awkward way, like she was terrified and felt violated. Well, she she was terrified, probably and felt violated. Right? Okay, and then he felt completely rejected and exposed because he so, was shirtless. So I'm just right? gonna. So uh, I'm gonna rewrite the scene, not because I don't want to rewrite sure. the scene because I thought it was a beautiful scene, but to demonstrate what normal people do. Sure. So 
he wants to get with her and he's like so uh what are you into oh i don't know i'm into youtube videos oh cool well you know i i think you're kind of cute oh really okay it just yeah you know so um uh you know get to her house so you want to hang out sometime uh, well, maybe. Okay, well, give me your phone number. We can talk on the phone. That's what a normal person does. They don't get in the back seat, force the person to play truth or dare. She's clearly uncomfortable. Take your shirt off when she never asked to do that. And then uh, at some point, and then, and then, it, and then it just escalates from there. I think the next dare is something. Well, he says to her to take her shirt off. Right. Take your shirt yeah. off. And, and then she says, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with that. And then he stops and he gets back angry in the front seat and drives off. No. She says, I'm not comfortable with that. And then he puts hands on her. And then she said, no. Oh, okay. You're right. Don't Actually, touch me. Yes. Okay. The you're right. fucking rapist, this guy. Well, no, no, no. Hold on. She said no. And he stopped. Oh, man, I really think you need to rewatch this. No, I, I just watch it. You can't penalize the guy for stopping because that's I'm the not wrong penalizing message. him for stopping. I'm penalizing right. him for being a fucking creep. Well, the other guy told her the, the guy she likes said, do you suck dick? And she's like, oh, and then she answers. She's like, oh, yeah, and I'm really great at it. Like, is he not? A, a cra- like who asks right off the bat do you do you give blowjobs like that's so creepy and obs- no it, in that case it's okay because she liked them but like the guy the guy was saying like hey do you want to play truth or there the other guy's like do you give blowjobs uh i think it's clear that you are not empathizing with her experience and other girls oh, but of course in this I, look, situation. Th- this is my point. Of course I'm empathizing with her. I feel that, of course she was terrified, and she was in way over her head. But what I'm trying to say is that... So she shouldn't have been there. She asked for it. No, that's not what I'm saying. But she shouldn't have been there. She, she was, of course not. So it's her fault that she no, was terrorized. No, I never said any of that. So whose fault is it that she was terrorized? It, the fault that she was terrorized in this case is the approach that the guy took. He chose an approach yeah. that was one of terror. Yeah, yeah, but, it, but sure. But what I'm trying to say is like, so I, I, I so want to yes, draw. I'm a not line. going to let him off the hook for choosing a terrorist approach of sex with this girl. And that's okay to like educate him and say like, look, that's okay. not how you can approach people. Great, right? Educate, but, but I'm not going to fucking let a rapist off the hook. Well, I, I, I I'm saying he's not a rapist. He, well, she said no, and he fine. stopped. You can say he's not a rapist. He's he. He sexually assaulted her in a... Oh, my God, man. The other guy was asking for her nudes and wa- and asked if she gives blowjobs. <laughs> yeah. Is that sexual assault? Um, it could be argued, but no. I Because I, he, he was just a creeper, and right, I don't think he made her feel uncomfortable. Because she liked him. Uh, no, because he never actually tried to put hands on her well fine but you you gotta admit she was in over her head he, in that the other guy never trapped her in the back of a car and forced her to play a truth or dare game and forced <laughs> her to agree to physically take- i agree with you at the same time she the fact that he asked her if she gives blowjobs put her in way over her head again she ended up going on on youtube and trying to look at videos that actually exposed her to stuff that she might not have been ready to the deal dude, with the dude was a creep i mean and, the, and the, then <laughs> and then she actually was was in her head trying to think okay like she felt the pressure of like oh i guess this is something i have to do when clearly she was not ready to go down that route so what i'm trying to say is like it's more gray than just this guy's a rapist i think that kid is clearly 
awkward, misinformed. Well, if if we're going to go, if we're going to have a things. spectrum of Jeffrey Dahmer, and sure, he's not a Jeffrey Dahmer. Bro. And I think you can dial that way back down. You can and dial still it say way no. back down and say that he's, he's. She said no, and he did stop. And yeah. so, so that's a redeemable kid. You can redeem him. You can yeah. s- teach him better. <laughs> I, I find it interesting that I can say that he did something sexually assaultive to her. And all you can do is say, but, you know, he's not all evil. At what point did I say he was all evil? I think what ends up happening is there's a lot Pe- of perfectly good people. But I didn't say you said he was all evil. You called him a rapist. Yeah. And I'm saying he's not. That's a my definition. I, well, have a okay, definition. I have a different definition. And what I think is this. I now I'm projecting onto this community, which I don't know. Maybe I don't speak for them, but I do feel there is a set of these uh, incels or the men going their own way or whatever it is that this is the part I think they, they end up falling down on and they don't get the right help is that it's an all or nothing. Sure. And there's no education to help them. Look, plenty of perfectly good meaning dudes who are misinformed or bad with social cues will do things that are terrorizing to other people. Um, and I'm not. I don't want to string him up with by a rope. I don't want to throw him off a cliff. But there are people out there who are being regularly traumatized by this kind of behavior. And most men, most boys, don't do stuff like this. And it needs to be called out. Plenty of incels and the you know men going their own way. People. I don't think they would do something like this. I don't think they would be this. It was he. I don't know how long the scene is, 10 minutes, seven minutes or something, however long. It's several minutes of him with several whys in the road where he could have pulled out and been like, okay, she's not into this. Or oh, threw something out the, the a little bit thing, more soft. The, so he, he, was was, on a, he was on a one-way mission. Absolutely. He was forcing something. If he was well-educated, inf- informed, whatever, and it, the first thing would have been like, oh, absolutely, let's go drop her off first. That's the first thing. Not do you don't even put yourself in a in a weird position like that, because she is an under she is I mean I guess he's not an adult but whatever she's the young one they're supposed to be taking good care of her and her friend is the older girl not him so absolutely you take her home first that's the first step the second step is you just take her home you right. want to make conversation great fine that's my point that's if, you, if you like her so I'm not disagreeing with any of that you don't park the fucking car you don't you just drive her home right. All of that is even true. Even if you like her, and All even of if you true. hit on her. It's just that I, I you, am trying to present... You direct message her later that night. You right. say, hey, I like you. I want to hang out. I guess if for no other reason, here's what I'm saying. If you, th- you are under... You think that his behavior was rare and really rapey. And I, I believe more than... You, people than you think would take an approach like that. I think I, think I'll, I, I agree that a lot of guys will dip into it kind of mm-hmm. but he took it a whole he took it down a road that was i mean i can i see someone uh getting in the back seat and going like ooh, like maybe something can happen sure i could see that happening he he did like 10 things in a row in one direction with several data points saying this girl's not into this. She, she she's not into <laughs> it. She's so uncomfortable. But she she, she yes. doesn't want to be doing this and the only, and and what's interesting is that the the point that he turned was 
as he's putting hands on her, not only does she say no, but she she physically flips out in that moment. She's like, no. And, and then, and then the kicker is, so at that point I, I actually thought, I mean, if I was writing this movie, I would have made it more gray by afterwards. He would be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I, I didn't know, but, but Bo Burnham wrote it into the script where the kid doubles down. So as he's driving her home, he's upset. He's and punishing her and and being really mean to her. I was only doing this because I wanted right. I wanted you to be prepared for other guys like me in the future. You no, know? no, he actually goes he he reveals his psychology entirely, and that's what I was saying. The meet the men go in their own way, whatever. Because he goes, see, because what's gonna happen? He basically says, in so many words, you're gonna lose it to the alpha male, and then he's gonna dump you, and you're gonna be crying. And I was trying to save you from that because right. he knows he's not the alpha. He knows he's like the the guy who's trying to get some. Right? But my God, dude, have you ever just think back to your life when you were immature and stupid and like you know horny as as all get out? Would you have ever said such? a Of thing? course not, because you're not like him. But I think there's a lot of hims. There are a lot yeah. of him, and they're not. And, and, and the the thing is, there there is. So so yeah. so if he had if he wasn't fully on board with the notion, or even getting off on the terrorizing of his sexual targets, yeah. Then afterwards, he would have been like, at the very least, he would have said nothing. Yeah, but remember, and, he's and, a teenager and, who's hurt. Feelings are now hurt. But so, but <laughs> all he's got to do is be like. You know, I, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were into. It. Yeah, and a, a mature person in that moment would say that. No, not even not a mature, just a regular person of his age would say something to the effect of, of like, uh, look, I, th- I thought you were into it. You know, I guess you weren't, dude. When I was in school, not, and not, daily, not that that would erase the terror that he put sure, her through. Sure, but I'm just saying, like. In terms of the character profile that was written by Bo Burnham, the way that he reacted afterwards confirmed to me that this guy was indeed a problematic human being and not normal. This guy is not a normal person. So when I was in school around that age, I would regularly see guys in older grades um, demeaning some of the guys, not all, but some of the guys in my grade, ab- abusing them physically, verbally, making fun of them, punching them, all these things. Uh, some of the guys in my grade definitely would uh, tease and, and make fun and like verbally and psychologically abuse other people. It wasn't the majority, but there were enough of them. And this was a very common thing. And so I am saying that like, I don't know that like at that age, a lot of kids have the wherewithal to a not even take those steps. B apologize when they when they've done something wrong, uh, and so unfortunately, because because yeah, where would they have learned it? Like he, like they would have had to learn it at home because they wouldn't have learned it at school, right? Sure. I, 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 yeah, the guy probably was sexually assaulted himself or something, right? Character. Sure. Okay, so. So I'm I'm saying like I, I'm not excusing. Of course she felt terrible. I, I feel terrible in that scene for her. It's just that like I also felt bad for the guy because I was like, man, this poor, this poor soul has no clue. Sure, you can feel bad for him, and at the same time, recognize that what he did was sexual assault. And I don't I don't agree with that. Like I don't agree that it was sexual assault. Uh, assaultive. It was. It was, he was being extremely pushy and crossing boundaries, 
and and he and he had to be told extremely firmly no before he got the point. Would most eighth grade girls in a situation like that run home and cry their eyes out and uh, worry about um, other boys harming them in the future? Could be. Yeah. That, that's the definition of trauma and victimization. That's, that's, it, it's so unnecessary. There. What, but there's so it's, many. It's gr- fine to ask someone, "Would you like to make out?" Okay. But there's so many. It, it's girls not that's... fine to do so in a way that makes someone afraid for their life. Right. But we teach kids: you have to say no, and you teach the other kids. When someone says no, you stop. She said no, which is great. She said no firmly, and he stopped. And yeah. like that's important. Great. And I'm glad he did. Yeah. If he didn't, he'd because be a so, worse human being. Well, of course. And and so so like So this person yeah. only stabbed five people no, he at, didn't the, stab. at the McDonald's. No, uh, there were but no he stabbings. Didn't, but Birdo, he didn't no. stab six people. No, no, the better analogy. We have to look at that like that he only stabbed five people. No. He's a good person. Someone might have stabbed him before. No, the the better analogy is that a kid who's never done this before, plans to rob a house with his friend. They get all the way to like where they're going to do it and then and then something stops him and he, and he doesn't do it. That's a bad analogy. A better analogy is uh, he actually breaks into the house and he's, and he's on his way out well, the door. Well, that's a crime, breaking and entering. He well, can go to jail for that. Well, but you chose that analogy. Yeah, but I'm saying he didn't actually break the law. I'm not... Who cares about the fucking law? Well, I do because if he had, if he had not stopped at no, then he would have been breaking the law. Uh, the law is fine, but I, I don't think we should be defining our moral judgment on the law. Calling someone a name or well, uh, marrying someone for their money and then making them feel like shit is not against the law. Sure, but the law matters for like you. You take a, a dogmatic stance to what what it means to say, you know, what evolutionary psychology means or things like that. It's like terms matter to you in some terms. In some cases, rape is legally defined. Uh, the law has uh, defined sexual assault. True. Sure. And it's actually illegal to uh, do things physically that make other people feel terrified. Okay, and that so the, from that perspective, maybe he did cross a legal boundary. And but I, I, I am the reason I'm I'm trying to die on this hill for this kid <laughs> is because um, I think we throw away some of the bathwater with the baby that we wanted to throw away. Uh, if we are, I, I think we are I think, zero tolerance all around. Well, define zero tolerance. Like, are you saying that me calling it sexually assaultive? At what point did I say we should kill him? At what point did I say if he we, should even go to jail? If this at what came, point did I say so imagine, anything of consequence? Well, I'm right. just labeling it what it is. Right. So let's say that this story came out in their community. And he was labeled, not forget the law for a second, but he was labeled as, well, a, as a rapist. Well, our society is so backward when it comes to anything sexual that, yeah, he would be unduly stigmatized and that's it would ruin I'm his saying. life. Uh, yeah. Well, that's not what, that's the first time you've mentioned this. Well, sure, but I'm saying, that is, what I say what that that's what I'm saying. What you've saying is defending him and right. saying that he's normal and that, and that I'm wrong for labeling him a, a person who has committed a sexual assault. Well, at least a rapist, you know. And I am not defending his actions. I'm saying, hey, I also feel bad for him because he's lost. 
he needs a better way to operate. Absolutely. And he doesn't know how to get sexual satisfaction. 95% of sexual assaults are committed by people of that description. Right. And, you know, and I have compassion for those people. You know I do. Right. But I'm not going to pussyfoot around what happened in that scene, which was sexually assaultive. And she was traumatized by that. She went home crying. Uh, and that was another scene where they had the music uh, very effective. I know. And, and then the dad comes upstairs and is trying to, you know, he's like, oh, my God, what's wrong? And he's trying to console her. And she's um, rejecting of the dad because, you know, she's just so confused and embarrassed and upset and, you know, just humiliated. Um, and uh, it was a very effective scene for that reason, that it was in the gray zone. You know, an easier trope scene would be that he actually, you know, uh, took her clothes off and, you know, had sex with her uh, against her will or grabbed her somewhere, you know. That would have been a more uh, sort of clear scene of an assault. But what the... And the more we talk about it, I think the the mastery of this of this scene is that apparently it can be seen as like, well, you know, it was somewhat normal. And my point is that uh, it, it, that sort of behavior needs to be clearly labeled by us. Now, at the same time, uh, do we overstigmatize uh, people who are labeled as people who have done things like this? Absolutely. I mean, if he were convicted of a crime, he would be on the sexual sure. offenders list for the, for the rest right. of his life in some communities. It, the same category as people who have raped 50 children right. uh, in, a, in their own daycare. You know what I mean? They would be in the same, in, in the same cultural category. You know, that you just, oh, they're a rapist. You know, they're in that category. And yeah, that's, that's absolutely wrong. Right, right, right. And it's not helpful. I, we, they would also stigmatize them as some sort of evil, uh, unredeemable character, which is also wrong. But at the same time, I'm not going to look at that behavior and be like, yeah, that's normal behavior or that's right. not assaultive and, behavior. And the, I, I would have zero disagreement that that we need to address that behavior and educate those kids and educate those people to not behave that way. Absolutely. And we're not. Right. And we're not. Right. And most kids without that education would not do the things that he did. I never did when I was, I've never, I can't think of anything. I did anything close to that you know, sort of behavior. And I don't think you did either. Well, for one thing, I mean, it's hard for me to relate to the scene in several ways, because for one thing, every girl that I dated or was into or anything was at most one year younger than me. And usually it was either my same grade or, in fact, older, right? So it's hard for me to relate to, like, an eighth grader girl when right. I'm in high school, right? So that part so, is so, a bit So hard. right there, you're different than him. But at the, but <laughs> my girlfriend in high school dated 29-year-olds. <laughs> so I knew it was very common for girls in high school that were hot to date much older guys who were out of high school. Now, and I'm not saying that was right. And if they were having sex, that was actually illegal. But another thing, uh, it is illegal to send nudes of underage kids, even if you're an underage kid. Right. That scene where, where she's like, I have, un I have nudes or I have, and he's like, yeah, that scene, if pictures had exchanged, would have actually been, they, they would have been both breaking the law right. and they could both be prosecuted, right. which is crazy. Yes. Right. Okay. So what, what I'm, what I'm getting at is I, I can't quite relate to it and no, I would have never fucking done that because 
that that he is being extremely manipulative and he's setting up this weird creepy situation where he's pulling over and all these things and the part where i'm having empathy and i only started having empathy since you told me to have empathy (laughs) no the part that i'm having empathy is i'm I'm going poor sob He's yeah. sitting there. He doesn't know how to get any action. And the closest he can think of as a plan is take the eighth grader home that talked to him once, pull over and try to play truth or dare. Oh, my God, how misinformed. You know, yeah. And certainly, as soon as he reached over to her, yeah, okay, now you're being a dangerous asshole. Sure. And then where I say, okay, let's not throw him in jail yet is – she said no. He stopped and and like let's no, I don't care grab about, him aside and educate him. Yeah, I, I don't. I never said jail. I don't care about jail. I never. I never brought up the law. I I, I don't yeah. care. Uh, that's that's for another kind of conversation, I suppose. But um, but yeah, okay. Because you know, if this had been a boss and a and a and an underling, ah, we're talking about a completely different situation. A two adults, boss and an underling, and now we're immediately talking about harassment. Well, how is that any different? Because, like, there is, uh, first the, of all, they're, the, they're both the adults. Power, the power differential in that situation is probably more pronounced than two adults who work together, depending on the situation. No, because I, I think that the— He's older. He has a car. Yeah, but she has, no, car. she has no allegiance to him. She he, has, can't, he can't get home. She can't get home. No, I realize that, but she, I'm saying— She it, can't run out of the car. He's bigger. You know, he's right. doing some But really But there are no implications— things. Outside of of that scenario, that she ha- she owes him nothing. It ha- does not depend on him for anything in her life. And at the same time, and you know, people at work are uh, just as susceptible to this kind of. Um, well, I mean, or, or just go, a, it can it can be a hold, similar hold on, terror. Kirk, hold on, if you she, don't even know what I'm going to say. Okay, so uh, she was in a situation where. It was reasonable for her to be terrified, especially as it progressed. Yes. You know, when he first gets in the backseat yep. of the car, uh, and she's not. She doesn't seem very terrified at that first. She's just kind of like, huh? This is kind of, I, right. you know, she seems more socially scared than anything else. She's, right. And she's socially scared all the right. time. She's just like, oh, God, how do I answer this question? But pretty quickly, it starts to become uh, physically scary for her. And it and it escalates to the point where she's like, "No, don't touch me," you right. know. And uh, I think she was reasonable to be afraid. Oh, completely. What I'm trying to say is different. If you had a scene in a movie where a boss is driving his employee home, his female employee home, you know, boss, like it doesn't even have to be female. The boss is driving the employee home, and he pulls over. He or she pulls over and says, "Oh, don't, don't get. I'll get in the back seat." At that moment, at that moment, he is breaking the ethics of his office. Totally. And it's already getting into – now, there's a huge difference here. If in the scene that we watched in this movie, even though they're eighth grade and high school, which is a big difference, if she had actually been into it and they actually played truth or dare and they like fooled around a little bit, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Totally. But in the boss-employee situation, we still would have to have this conversation. Uh, in because every social encounter, we have to make sure that everyone is on board. Well, I don't, I don't see how the because it, categorization because, makes because sense. you could still you could still have gone along with it and then still go to HR and say, 
Well, you could falsely make up a oh, story. Not, not falsely. You could just say, like, well, it's I don't feel comfortable working with him now because we did this. Yeah. Right? And, and there he would could be, get in trouble. <laughs> right. Because right. it's against right. policy, but it wouldn't necessarily be immoral. So in your scenario, which I think is maybe good to point out, so say uh, she really likes him, and so he gets in the backseat of the car, and yeah. she, she's into it. She's like, oh, man, I've had a crush on him. Yeah. I, I'm so glad he's She's ready it. to, quote, unquote, blow the other guy, right? <laughs> Uh, 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 she no, was I'm, practicing I, on him, but I'm, I'm just saying, like that is. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone at work now. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, sorry, so, sorry, so, sorry. so the so the woman. It, she, she. I have this crush on this guy. At, at, yeah. I have a crush on my boss. Yeah. For twelve months, um, he, he'll never like me. But man, you know, if if it ever came down to it, right. I, I would make out with him. And I'm sex positive. I don't care. I'll have a one night stand with him. I don't care. Right. And and so, oh my God, he's in the back seat. Let's go for it. Two days later, she's like, shit, I feel uncomfortable now. Yeah. Uh, I go to HR. He gets fired. Yep. Well, okay. But that's not a sexual assault. That's, just, that's, that's a policy violation. Yeah, but it, sure, fine. But he should have known better, and, and she could have claimed harassment. Because, well, <laughs> yes. Anyone, anyone at any time can claim, can claim a sexual assault has happened. So, so that's, that's, that's a or different... harassment at least, you know? Well, right. Which yeah. is a sexual assault. A harassment is, okay. is a form of sexual assault. So, so, so yeah. that, but so anyone can make that claim, uh, and can, uh, you know, use the policies in whatever way they want to. But the difference is that when you engage in a, uh, sexual encounter or you proposition someone in such a way that they feel trapped, uh, which is, you know, pretty specific. And most people do not engage in that kind of uh, targeting behavior towards other people. When you do that, that's wrong. And, uh, right. and whether you're a 12th grader or you're a boss or you're a man or a woman or, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Even if you're married and you target your spouse and make them feel trapped it's not right. It's immoral. I don't know what laws should be passed about that, but I'm just saying no, it needs to be called out. Totally. Uh, in this scenario, in this movie, they are closer to being peers, societally, if you will, than a boss and an employee. Okay. And, I mean, and, I, I, I Just I like know. a teacher and a student are... Like, same scene, the teacher is driving, the students in the back. It depends on the workplace, honestly. Right, but but now let's do teacher and student, right? Actually, that's hard because then it's, it's actually like the, the age thing. Um, well, I don't know if it's so important, honestly. I, I, um, what, fine, it's not that important. But the, the, the only point I was trying to make is that the same scene in a different context can, can vary how I feel, how we feel about each of the participants. So when... Well, it's interesting that you just that in the boss employee instance somehow are you saying you f- you feel more certain of its wrongness or something? Well, f- let's take a different approach. Uh, if, no, but answer that question because I, I, yeah, yeah. No. I mean, I, I think that at the very so somehow least, as a boss and a, an employee, it seems at, more wrong to you. Well, it, it it seems immediately the boss should know better already. Because like you because need to know the, better. Because of the policy. Well, because you're older, you're an adult, and, and you've been through more life experiences, and you are their boss, and so like you should know better, right? And this is something because that... Because social mores around bosses with employees. Before the 90s, no one knew this. Now everyone's like more aware of it. Like, oh, okay, well, geez, I shouldn't do that, you know? Okay. 
Uh, I mean, like before the '90s, it was probably like, "What are you talking about?" But Why see can't that, I but, pull but over? this, but this is kind of part of the problem is that the the people who don't understand, yeah. uh, i.e., a lot of men and a lot of people on the right, is that it's not about rules. The rules are only there. Yeah. To, to guide the behavior for people who don't fucking understand. And so you have to impose a rule so that people follow it who wouldn't otherwise because they don't get it or they don't care. So the, 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 the rule is the moral quality of not making other people feel trapped and uncomfortable and forced and scared sure. and terrorized and harmed and violated. That is the moral. You, but you, ha- you yes. don't do that to other people. That's totally. not cool. That's immoral. And then, okay, now we have – because people don't get it, we have to pass laws and HR policies because people won't follow the moral or they don't get it enough or something. But the moral is the rule. It doesn't – so you can have a boss and an employee have sex, and it could be morally fine and against HR. Yeah. But you can have – a 12th grader and an 8th grader have a wonderful, free, loving, mutual respecting relationship, and it could be against the law. Um, uh, you know, we could get into the whole, like, pedophile thing, which I'm well, not going to Well, you could add this scene. Imagine a female high schooler is driving the the 8th grade boy. And he's you know, socially awkward or whatever, but he's certainly, he's certainly sexually awakened because he has a crush on another girl or something. Same thing. She pulls over, gets in the back, tries to play truth or dare, and he, he's definitely not going along with it in the same way. And then she finally grabs him and he's like, no. And then she drives off. Same exact scenario. All of the things she did are still not good. Like she still needs to learn not to approach it that way. But again, I'm still not, I'm still not going to be like, you're a rapist. I'm going to be like, all right, we need to like teach you more shit. You know, and a sexual assault would have occurred. Yeah. Well, in your in your definition, sure. Yeah. And most people's definition, when you proposition someone for sex over it, especially over a span of time, and it's extremely pushy and causes someone to scream out in terror and say, no, that's a sexual assault by most people's definitions of, of anyone who understands what the the nature of sexual assault is. Now it's a if you want to put it on a spectrum, it's on the lighter end of the spectrum. You know, you're not holding a knife to her throat. Uh, you didn't uh, slap her around. You didn't threaten her life. Uh, so you know, sure, but you know, it's, I mean, there, there's a scene it's in an Alpha Dog, thing. which was one of my and if you, and if we switch the genders, it's just as bad. And as we talked about in the woman on woman sexual assault episode, is a hundred percent just as terrorizing and traumatizing and morally wrong as if a man was doing it as you know if we if it was an older girl and a young boy can absolutely be just as horrible and traumatizing and wrong right and should be reacted to in exactly the same way and of course our society doesn't because it's like oh it's an older girl and uh, wouldn't he want to and boys can't be traumatized in that way and you know so it means nothing to me to switch the genders right and it shouldn't and in 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 my so in the movie alpha dog the the younger kid uh, who is being carried? He's been tra- he's been carried along by the older kids because they have him as a hostage because his older brother owes them money. And there's these two older girls that seduce him and have him have sex. Now, in this case, it was presented in a positive light, and 
he ends up having a grin about it. Like, oh, he was like deflowered by these older girls, right? But if his reaction had been negative in any way, like we say, oh, was he like raped? Like, what was that? So the subtlety here is like how he felt about it actually matters. Yeah. But their approach could have been the same exact approach. Like he's he's being kidnapped by the other guys, right? But they're treating him nice, so he's kind of like going along with it. They're trying to like seduce him and take his virginity. Yeah. And they're older than him. Yeah. But he goes along with it and then in the end has a grin about it. Yeah. Because right? okay. it, it happened to be retrospectively right. consensual. Well, that's not good. No. We still need to educate them better. Right. Right. And so in the end, I am in complete agreement about the, okay, that's not the right way to approach this. That's too abusive. Now, you should not. Look, she's already uncomfortable. Can't you recognize hey, here's, here's all a, these things? Here's a, here's a very easy shortcut. Just take a, t- take a breath and ask the other person if they want to continue. Yes. Just, a, just fucking yes. ask, yes. Uh, would you like to continue this? Yes. <laughs> or would you like to go home? Right. And She probably would have said, I'd like to go home now. Yes. That's a very, it's, it's not a, it doesn't take a genius to just stop and say, so are you into this or do you want to go home? Right. Uh, you know, it's the same as like, uh, I'm going to feed you this spaghetti. Um, you better like it. <laughs> right. Uh, how about just say, do you want to eat the spaghetti? Right. It's not hard to ask the question. Uh, and there's a reason why this guy didn't ask that question because he didn't want to know the answer. So that's right. Okay. Um, we right. beat that one to death. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Um, so I just want to talk about one anecdote from eighth grade that it reminded me of for myself. That because this movie really exemplifies in full detail the self consciousness of being in middle school. Mm. I mean, that's why everyone hates middle school because it's just like <laughs> you're the most self conscious at that time, you know, and. Uh, that's what, uh, si- what grades is middle school considered? Six through eight. Six through eight. Okay. Yeah. So the uh, the memory of that there's two memories that po- popped in my head. Uh, one was that um, my dad got a video camera when I was in like sixth grade or something, mm-hmm. and so in eighth grade, uh, you know, Christmas morning. My dad's filming everything. You might have seen some of the videos. Yeah, I've seen some of the videos. So my dad would film like five hours of Christmas morning, <laughs> and then and then I would edit it down to like one minute, you know, <laughs> uh, which is really only the, you know, the parts worth watching. But there's this one scene. So I played trumpet when I was a kid. I loved playing trumpet. Oh, yeah, I was a, it was I my first musical instrument. Well, I played recorder, and I was okay. pretty into rec- pretty much into recorder. And then Why is I, it called the recorder? I don't know. It's bizarre. It is weird. Um. And then I played trumpet and I got really good at it and, and really liked it. I, li- I would listen to like Miles Davis and Maynard Ferguson. What? Yeah. So I, you were into it. Like, yeah. Big time. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then at some point I just dropped it, but I was super into it. And I was renting a trumpet because okay. that's they're what, expensive, right? They're expensive. Yeah. And my parents, you know, they had to really think about how they spent their money, the four kids, blah, blah, blah. Totally. And at that time, they had two kids in college. And so uh, they're, you know, they couldn't buy me a trumpet. But Christmas morning, they're like, okay, Kirk, you know, your your most exciting gift is in the closet. And they turn on the video camera and you can see me in the video camera. I'm just like, oh, God, like everyone's watching me. <laughs> and so I, I go to the um, closet and I see it and I know in my heart. I'm bursting. I'm like, 
It's a trumpet. I got a trumpet. My oh. own my own trumpet. I don't have to rent a nasty because these these trumpets that you rented were sure they were old right and had been beaten up you know and this is a brand new trumpet probably never <laughs> so been so shiny never been played and uh, I open up the case uh, and you get your own case too which is kind of cool and I can and it's it's a distinctive kind of um, normally you know trumpets just think of that golden brassy sure. color. This one had a a deeper red color to it, like it Ooh. it was just slightly off in color, so it was very signaling of like this ain't no rental, you know. Wow. But anyway, I look at it and it's just shiny and new, no oh. no dents, and and I and I and I'm I'm just bursting. I'm just like, oh my god, a trumpet! I know this, but my face, I'm. I'm not. I'm not giving any expression with my face. Uh-huh. And my parents. My parents are like. You can hear them behind the camera, and they're like, um, "No, no, no. Come, come over here." Because I'm <laughs> over by the closet, and so I'm like, um, "I'm like, okay." And so I pick up the trumpet, and you see me kind of walking over to him, and I plop it down in front of the camera, and I'm j- and I'm just sort of staring at the trumpet, you know. And I know what I'm thinking is just like, "Can I just go away now? Can, can I just go to my room, you right. know, and play this thing in in private, you know?" And my parents are like, you know, play it, play it, <laughs> play know? it for the camera. <laughs> you play, play a note or something. You know, do something. Say thank you, you piece of shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but so, but I'm not, and so, uh, and so I'm like, so there's this, like, I have every once in a while I force myself to watch this scene. It oh, is, no. it is the cringiest of all cringy things. I'm like, I say something like, um. I can't, God, like it's, it's like Napoleon Dynamite, total Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> and I can't remember what I said, but I, I was a dick, you know, I was just, mm-hmm. I said something like, I can't right now, like I don't have my mouthpiece or something, oh no, something real nasty, you know, just oh. total ingrate, you know, that hurts, yeah, and and then and then <sighs> nothing after that of just like, well, thanks for, you know, like. I really like oh, it or no or h- hug my parents. Oh no. Like nothing, nothing. Oh, I'm feeling the pain now. Right? Yeah. Just, I get the trumpet my, and, and my parents, they're you know, so excited to get they're excited. They spent all their hard earned yeah. cash on this fucking thing. Right. Um, and they had prepared, you know, my parents go all out oh, on, on Christmas. You right. know what I mean? Like my, all my friends are always jealous about everything that I got <laughs> and, you know, and they weren't rich, you know what I mean? Right. They hide the trumpet in the closet. Right, you know, they take extra steps. They all these things. They all they set it up, and then I'm just this total dick bag, you know, in the in the moment. And uh, so this movie exemplifies that for me because there's so many <laughs> there's so many scenes when she's with the dad and she's and just she's being a dick. She's just being a total dick to him. Yeah. And I mean, all she has to like in that dinner scene, all she has to do is like, okay, you know, just have a two-minute conversation two just entertain him for two minutes oh and then it's, he starts uh like saying nice things about her and she's like oh god god stop 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 yeah she can't handle it right and when she he was spying at her, on her in the mall oh my gosh she and, goes ballistic and she, you know she yeah she just completely rejects him as super mean to him um do you have any stories like this from from that time yeah i mean you had the uh, 11th grade story but yeah well so actually um as far I used to feel really embarrassed by my dad mm. and it was something like if, oh my gosh, if my friends came over, I was always like, oh, what is he going to say? What is he going to say? Oh, this is so embarrassing, you know? And when we would go out anywhere, like the store, like he'd strike up conversation with someone like the cashier or something. I'm like, I'm like 
God, stop talking. Like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Do you think you were a dick? I never said any. Well, no, that's not. I probably did say stuff, but I wasn't a. I don't. I wouldn't like yell because the one thing he See, wouldn't here, do here's is the he prob- wouldn't let me. He wouldn't let me be like a dick. Like, so, well, here's the problem. Like, if you would have asked me, yeah, if if I had done anything like this in the eighth grade, I would have sure. said, I would have said. I don't think so. Okay, okay. But the problem is, is I have videotape. Like, okay. there's there's videotape right. of me being a dick to my younger brother, because uh, we we would do a lot of projects together. Or he would my younger brother. My younger brother is like six or seven years old. Uh-huh. He, he would always sort of harangue me into like, Kirk, can you help me do this? Can and can you help me do that? And like, I just be like, okay, fine. And I would proceed to just be a dick older brother at that age. Mm. You know, there, there's something about seventh eighth grade that just has that. I see that sort of energy. I, right? I, I'm sure that if I had video, there were probably many, many cringeworthy moments. Right. So, so, yeah. so and that's that. So that's that scene. When I saw that trumpet scene uh, for the first, I probably saw it for the first time like 20 years ago when I yeah. was like pulling out old VHS tapes and stuff. And and the, I remember distinctly thinking, I'm so glad I have this because. I would never have thought I was like that. Oh wow! Because I, who 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 dedicates that to long term memory? Sure. Especially from my own perspective, I didn't do anything wrong. Right. Um, the the other thing is is when you ask my family, if you just went up to my mom and uh, dad and said, "Was Kirk ever kind of a snot when he was in the eighth grade?" They, no. You're right, and they believe it. Right. They believe it. They'd be like, the "Never." Sweetest. In fact, I've had arguments with my parents. <laughs> I'm like, no. Because your parents, by the way, are the nicest people. Well, and... To me, anyways. They they are. And parents just want to love... You know, like this dad. The whole movie, she's being a dick, and he just... You're awesome. You're the best. He just can't get over how much he loves her and respects her and and just is enamored by her. You know, the way that parents are. Right, right, right. And so, you know, especially as time goes on, you know, so I feel like... uh, I have the benefit of actual videotaping, you know, and the evidence of it all. Right. You know, and I well, wonder if we could see, because you, you didn't have a video camera back then, right? No, no. Yeah. I, I do remember one instance that was actually not directed towards my dad, and I was probably in sixth grade, maybe, but maybe it might have been seventh grade. So my aunt brought me a color computer from the States, you know, but I didn't know this. This was a surprise. So I can't That one from- you bought, the other one... I have the third version, which is the one my mom bought me later. But I came home from school one day, and I knew my aunt had arrived from the United States. Is it a Commodore? No, it's a Tandy. Oh, Tandy. Radio Shack Tandy color computer. I came home from school. I I knew my aunt had arrived from the United States, so I was super excited to see her. And when I get home, she's there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Hi. Hola, tia. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Great time. Now, she's like, hey, you might want to go upstairs and check some, you know, go to your grandparents' room. I'm like, all right. So I, I run upstairs, and in there is my cousin, Diego. And as I walk in, I look over at the TV, and my mind is instantly blown because I see this glorious video game happening on the screen of my grandparents' TV. And I'm like, what is this? Now, little background. My cousin, Diego, is older than me. He's uh, eight years older, I think. And at this time... I had been going to downtown Bogota with my dad. This was probably the summer. Yeah, it was probably the summer, so I didn't have school. I was going downtown, and I was taking these computer classes. 
in in this like program that the government offered. Because at my school, they hadn't yet offered the classes. So I was taking like these classes. My cousin was going to the same classes. Okay. So we were both like there. But he's eight years older than me. I come upstairs. He's playing this game. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this? And then he's like, oh, it's, it's, it's my new computer. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this mix of like, that's amazing and so jealous, right? I'm like, that's crazy. And I'm like, what, what, what can it do? He's like, and then he just th- starts throwing out lingo. And he's like, oh, it could do basic logo lisp. And he's like Fortran and he names all these languages. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's crazy. And he just has me going, has me going, has me going. My aunt comes upstairs and I'm like, oh my God, the computer you got my cousin is amazing. And she's like, what? Well, that's computer for you. And then I'm like, what? And then so I'm super excited about it. But then, and I only thought about this years later, I'm such a dick to my cousin. Because I'm like, ah, it's not your computer, it's my computer. And like it didn't dawn, of course, at that time, oh my gosh, that must have been so so lame for him. Because here he is, he's still probably like, he was probably 18 at the time or 17, so like not a full adult yet. Well, wait, so did you ridicule him? Well, I was kind of like teasing him about the fact that it wasn't in fact his computer. It was, was he, my was, computer. Was he, did he have less access to ants with that kind of money or something? Yes, oh, even okay. though it was his aunt, I got the computer. Oh, it was his right? aunt. Yeah, it was both of our aunt. Oh. And I, I got the computer. And we both were interested in computers. Yeah. And I was just now, I don't know, I'm not convinced. I, I feel like... If he's eight years older, no, one, right, and so he was totally two, gracious he was, about he was it. razzing, and you. he was razzing me totally. It's just that in retrospect, I thought, oh man, that must have been hard for him because if that's the best you could come up with, fuck you, but, man. Cause you, like, because uh, <laughs> I could, I could actually see you being a super nice eighth grader for one. Um, so, well, I was so I, I feel like I'm out on a limb here. Like humiliate. I was very annoying, though. I was very annoying. <laughs> I can like, see I can see yes, that, yes. but I can't see you like being a dick. But I wish you had a video camera uh, okay. that would catch you being a dick to, to people. Sure. That I I, I wonder. <laughs> like, what about your younger brother? Yeah, I was jerky, right? Yeah, I te- I I. I I definitely made him, you know, I've told you stories. Like, I made him think things were one way when they weren't. I would constantly make bets with him, and then I would manipulate the facts to win the bets. Right. I would certainly, like, um, I would... Because he, he's, like, what? Four t- years younger than me. Okay. And... So, at that age, like, when I'm, when I'm 13, dude, I'm running, like, the yeah. game. And he's like, what? Yeah. And he looked up to me. I, right. He idolized me. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so just some criticism of the movie uh, is that it's R rating. It, it is ridiculous. It was rated R? Yeah. The MPAA, oh. the MPAA is ridiculous. Wait a minute. There are some, I guess PG-13 maybe. So, so and here's why, quote unquote, because of some swearing, uh, uh, or this isn't the quote, but this is basically what they're saying is because there's some swearing, which is ridiculous. Um, and a YouTube search for blowjob tutorials. Yeah, right. And then the scene with the older boy, which has sexual, yeah. you know, content to it. Uh, Boyhood was also rated R, by the way. Yeah. Um, but get this list of movies that were rated PG-13 by the MPAA. The Expendables 3. Jesus, dude. Do you know well, how many people no, get no, no. blown to no, bits? No, no. That is the, the state of affairs. If there's violence, it's cool. Uh, taken. Is PG thirteen? Jesus, that's traumatizing. Taken. <laughs> this is a movie that's traumatizing. That 
ha- you know, it is. It's it, okay it's, though. That's that's dark. No, heads blown off. Cool. Yeah. Sex talk. Not cool. Ten Cloverfield Lane, PG thirteen. This is about a girl who gets abducted, is tied up in a basement by a man. No, no. By the way, this is my point. Like, wouldn't it be useful for eighth graders and high schoolers to watch this movie? That's the whole point. Yes. Everyone should, uh, you know, at least 13-year-olds right. should be seeing this movie. But, but, you know, what I'm saying, like, no one gets the, the right education is because of this kind of bullshit. Yeah. You barely get a sex ed class, and then you can't watch any movies with sexual content. In them. Right. Yeah. The MP- MPA is, is ridiculous. I mean, the Expendables... Do 13-year-olds need to watch The Expendables? Is that is that the world we live in where we want 13-year-olds to watch The Expendables but not 8th grade? It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I'm of the opinion that the... Well, maybe I'm messed up. Because, like, I watched Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark when I was, like, 5 years old. Sure, but think about the amount of death that happens in that movie. In the Expendables, yeah. Uh, that, there, there's the guy who gets uh, chewed up by the... The, by the propeller, but right. but, but you yeah. don't see it. At the very least, I'm not I'm not arguing that that you should ban that you shouldn't let some kids watch violent movies. I'm saying that it's ridiculous to not let them watch this movie. And it's so backward because in our society, aren't we concerned about kids with guns? And like, <laughs> no, is that not a no. concern of ours? No, no are, no, are we not concerned about kids being violent? Because I feel like the saying is. People don't kill people. Guns, isn't that the saying? Yeah. So people are not part of the equation, right? right. Yeah. So it, it's just bizarre. The whole MPA thing. It's it's uh, it's yeah. That it's is known to be a. a and ridiculous I, I now system. remember there was a news article about that the actress can't watch her own movie. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The the and you know without print. You know, like with well, right. Actually, can you? Is rated R where you can go with a parent or yeah. no? Yeah, it's oh, ra- you can. Yeah, it, if a parent approves, but how like awkward rated, would it be to watch? NC seventeen is like a hard line. Right. Like you, like you, even, you can't even expose your kids to it. But right? but wouldn't it be awkward to watch this movie with your parent? Totally, <laughs> especially if you're in the eighth grade and you're on right. your, and you're on your phone all the time. Right. But like, so I I would be so I'm curious to the listeners how they feel about this movie one. Two, if you're a parent or if you're an eighth grader, just some. I just want to hear uh, stories about you know going to this movie with people, and because it, it really puts your face in it. Uh, the other thing I'm curious about are people's stories on the eighth grade in the eighth grade because I really feel like I'm to left me on a lurch here, and, <laughs> and, and I feel like I can't be the only dick in eighth grade, you know. So uh, send me your cr- cringe-worthy moments. Uh, what's the final word, Berto? Well, one thing that did st- stand out is I have this kind of preconceived notion that because of phones and in and the internet, the kids these days, kids these days, but I actually found this way more relatable than I would have thought in spite of there being phones and internet s- constantly throughout the movie. In other words, the behaviors and interactions actually still seemed very familiar. Right, because they are, yeah. and that's that's a great point that I forgot to mention, which is that the movie doesn't demonize phones. No, it. I mean, you definitely can. As if you're if you're a parent, you can relate to the annoyance of your kid being on their phone all the time. But you, you Bo Burnham did not write this movie as a uh, an attack on kids no. and phones. That's not the the message is not 
she doesn't throw down her phone or no. anything, you know. You know she she does throw the phone for a completely different reason. Yeah. And by the way, the, <laughs> yeah, that was so right, funny. The one outlet she does have is recording YouTube videos. Right. And and unfortunately, at one point, she feels like like she's so depressed that she can't even do it anymore. But the guy that she goes on the date with at the end is like. I, I like your videos. Yeah. You're so put together. <laughs> yeah, I just... God, that scene was so... F- so the scene where she throws the phone was just hilarious. Yeah. The, the, the the date with the chicken nuggets was just... The Szechuan sauce with oh the R- Rick and Morty and stuff. I just was dying. And it's funny because she, she managed to find a boy that was more awkward than her. <laughs> but like less insecure. Well, actually, like less in his right. head. That's fair. He reminded me of Rushmore. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Max. Um, the scene with the banana was just hilarious when she throws the banana at him at the, yeah. at the dad. Um, there oh, were yeah, because th- the dad's like, "What? I ha- thought you didn't like bananas. In fact, I think I made a note of it. And she's like, <laughs> fine, I don't like bananas. It was so beautiful because he's like, wait, I think you yelled at me about the banana thing. And I'm, pr- wait, what? You know? By the way, this is the, uh, the American pie moment done in a subtle, subtle way. Right. It's great. Totally. And like believable. Um, the scene where she crawls over and flirts with the cool kid during the drill. That was, oh, there were two moments in the movie that were very shocking given her character. Yeah. That was one of them. Right. But, you know, I thought it was totally relatable. Yeah, totally. One. Like, I, I can, I remember people doing things yeah. like that. Yeah, it didn't feel like, it didn't, it, it was just like, wow, she actually took a chance here. Yeah. And the other one was the karaoke. Right. They didn't, we didn't hear her. She might've done terrible. Right. But she did it. Right, so that was another great scene because, uh, but it made sense in given the character because she's sitting there. She's like, "Come get me, come get me now, Dad! Now I'm, yes. I need to go." And then the cute boy comes around the corner. He's like, "Hey, everyone's on the other room. Everyone's in the other room." And she's like, "He wants me in there." Yeah, that's true. I didn't so, catch so she, that. So part. she runs in there, and then they, you know, he he does that musical uh, yes uh, sequence or style. And you don't hear her singing in sort of slow-mo. And the, another director would have made her either sing it really great, and there would, and a couple kids would look at each other and go like, ooh, I Hey, maybe it's not so bad. Uh, she's cool. Yeah. Or, or go the other direction where she bombs it, and everyone's like, oh, ew. Right. They just sort of play it off like, you know what? She just did it. She just did it. No one really cared. Other people had gone up already. It's fine. Yeah, it's not a fucking... It's, yeah. The world doesn't revolve around this character. And, and they could have also made it... The, so when she comes out to see the, the, the popular girls, they're like, hey, you weren't so bad at that karaoke. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. It's just like, that's not the way... And they throw things, the towel at her. <laughs> right. it, this, that's, it doesn't work that right. way, you know? And, and yeah, like that's the thing in movies, right? You can change your social standing overnight. Right, right. and so... <laughs> That would have been, and I'm I'm positive, or I'm fairly sure that Bo Burnham's producers or someone reading the script said, "So I don't understand the story arc here. Like, where's where does this story sure. go? Because right. it doesn't really go anywhere. There's right. only one moment when she, at the very end, confronts the two popular kids, yeah. and that I felt like actually I could have done without that scene, honestly." But that there wasn't much. It was just sort of like you it, just get a sense that like, oh. She's been through like some terrible shit yeah. that a lot of kids go through, and she's more mature now. Yeah. But she's not drastically more mature. Right. She's just like now she's going to be in high school. I'll agree that was the less realistic moment, but it was a good movie moment because you think she's going after the guy, right. and then nope, I've grown a little. Right, and the and the cool boy never never like 
says anything. You know, he he never kisses no. her. No, no. Uh, no, you know, she never it's dead she, end. Yeah, it just yeah. The, everything. The the only so she gets that little moment with the other girls, but you could argue that that was kind of weird. Well, yeah, because to the viewers, to us, it's cool, but to everyone around there, it's like she's weird. Yeah, she's a weirdo. Yeah. The only real triumphant uh, climax is when she, you know, hugs the dad. Hugs the dad. That is a beautiful moment. Right. So, and and again, the the way that Bo Burnham wrote it was nonverbal. Like, yeah. the dad gives this long speech, and, and it's kind of clunky, but it seems, you know, genuine, and, and the... The girl, uh, all she does is she she's just she just hugs him, right? And there's no like you're the best dad, right. or I've learned so much from you, or I yeah, don't know. Yeah. It's just he, she's just you just get the sense that she just needs to be held, and she just needs that uh, security, you right. know. And uh, yeah, it was a beautiful scene. Great stuff, uh, man! Yeah. I love the movie. All right. That does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself, especially you people in eighth grade, because you deserve it. (laughs) 